Hey folks, and welcome to Typology, the show on which we explore the story of you through the lens of the Enneagram. My name is Anthony Skinner, your co-host. Thrilled to have you here with us today, folks. We've got a great guest. He's got a brand new book he's just dropped that is uh, really wonderful. But before we get into the book, he comes in not knowing what type he is. He thinks he's either a seven, a three, or a five, seven, three, or five. We help him lock in his number today. And then we move on to his book, What Drives You, How to Discover Your Unique Motivators and Accelerate Growth in Work and Life. We get into uh, topics such as your core uh, values and how that moves the needle for you. Really interesting book. Of course, I'm talking about author, former pro cyclist, and entrepreneur, founder of 19 Businesses, Kevin Miller. That's right. Kevin Miller is here with us today. We lock in what number he is, and then we move on to his book, What Drives You. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. That's it for me, Anthony Skinner. And now, without any further ado, here is the host with the most, Ian Crum. Hey, Typology friends. Welcome to this week's show on which we have Enneagram 3 maybe five, maybe seven, host of the podcast, self-helpful and author of the new book, What Drives You to Discover Your Unique Motivators and Accelerate Growth in Work and Life. My friend, Kevin Miller, welcome. Hey, I'm honored to be here. I'm uh, open to your counsel on, yeah, where I am on this Enneagram thing. I've been playing with it. I've been studying it and I want to get it right because that'll help me uh, drive better as the book would say. Yeah. Well, we want you to drive better, brother. <laughs> so Enneagram 3, 5, and 7, it's really interesting, isn't it? I have some thoughts, but let me let me just kind of do a really quick typing interview with you. All Please. right. So there's lots of external similarities between threes and sevens. And I'm going to leave five out of the picture just for a moment. Okay. They're both super high energy. They're both optimistic. They're both very future oriented. They're both typically socially confident. And the list could go on right now. Here's a question for you, because ultimately I will say this, when you get down, you know, kind of scratch the paint, they're very different. So we're going to ask some questions here. How long can you focus without extreme effort? Not much at all. Okay. And can you stick with a job for as long as it takes to get done or you know, is it like, oh, you have to keep pulling yourself back from I other distractions? I love to start stuff. Uh, I'm not, finishing is not my strong suit. All right. Obviously, three's focus, right, comes really easily. They nail their attention to a goal and then they stick with it until they achieve it. That's just very typical three. Now, for, fo- for sevens, focus is a challenge. Yeah. Uh, they have monkey mind, brother. Monkey yeah. mind, ideas running through it like ticker tape, you know, ideas, I always say going off in their head like a confetti gun, you know, just <laughs> ideas, you know. That's fair. Yeah. Ideas like a confetti yeah. gun, that's great. Yeah. So, all right, here's another one. Do you go into practical planning mode easily when you want to accomplish something or is your planning more about spinning lots of ideas in your mind without an actionable plan to accomplish it? Probably that. I tend to just enter into things. So I'm, I love mm-hmm. to pull the trigger, you know, to uh, right. aim, aim fire. 
um, and then figure out the ready later. So I tend to just jump into things spontaneously, go after it. I love making a decision and just go and then figure it out, which is great on some aspects and it is cumbersome in others. Okay. Just so you know, I just did a uh, interview on a different podcast with a guy. Uh, he runs a very successful financial services firm. He's a seven. His partner is a three. And you are describing everything that the three is having trouble with the seven. Okay? Yeah. I, yeah. Right. I mean, I, we can, I use help on this. I feel like as I have studied your book, which is over my shoulder here on my right, as I've studied that and your other books, uh, your other book that we had you on the show for, it feels like the natural me is just seven. That's just the base me, maybe even the healthy me. But early on as a kid, I realized what performance got me and going after affirmation, approval, acclaim. I was a pro cyclist you know, and I, I was good at finishing there at least. Uh, and I adopted that, but it feels like that. It feels like that's an adoption. That was a methodology to get from A to B, A to Z, maybe if you would but it's not as natural as the seven. And so there's my, I'm, I want to say schizophrenia. I don't think it's a good word for it, but I, no, I, by the way, Anthony, I just had this funny visual in my mind of an Enneagram seven in a bike race and then suddenly going down another road because they saw something interesting <laughs> and they never finished the race. That's a very funny idea to me. Yeah. That's legit. I mean, we do hundred mile races and I'm just waiting for the last stupid mile. Can we just get this over with? But you got to slog through all the, you know, 99 miles before that to get yep. to the end. And I'm just ready to go for the line, but that's what it took. Well, here's the deal. Threes, just to follow up on what we were just talking about, like they have really clear goals and these immediate actionable practical plans and they become depressed and disoriented when they don't have goals. Mm -hmm. All right. And when seven's plan, it's mostly lots of ideas. And sometimes I, I like to think of the brain inside of a seven as a whiteboard. Like nobody is better at whiteboarding than sevens, but they can just come up with idea after idea, after, just Love ideation, it. ideation. A blank right. piece of paper is my playground. Yeah. And when you're doing it with other people, it's manic. It's like idea after idea after idea, right? Yeah. So the problem with sevens or the challenge would is that they would rather have, this isn't a problem actually, if they have the right system around them, is that they would just rather have other people execute on their ideas. Like that's preferable to a seven if they can, if they have the infrastructure to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of the place that I'm in now, probably as I gain more health and clarity on this is amassing team around me. The yes. issue, the struggle with the team is if I'm going to create a team, I've got to have somebody who manages the team because mm -hmm. I'm not good at managing them either. Mm -hmm. So I've got to have a go-to that then does that. That's what's kept me from doing it well for a long time. Hmm. Yeah, so it is super common, Kevin, for sevens, particularly entrepreneurs, they don't like being the boss for a couple of reasons. One is they want to flatten hierarchies. They want everybody to be friends and kind of co-equals in the system and let's work together, which is why the entrepreneurial phase is kind of cool, right? Because that's kind of how everybody is a little bit more. We had a seven on, this is years ago. And you actually were helping to type him in the process. And he resonated being seven. But one of the things he said was, it's not that I don't want other people to be in charge and I don't want to be in charge. He goes, I just don't want anyone to be in charge. 
<laughs> I've never forgotten. <laughs> That's totally fair. And I've never thought about that. I've always said claim, I mean, claimed it's, it sounds bad because it's not that I want to claim it, but admitted that I have an authority problem. I don't mm-hmm. like hierarchies. If mm-hmm. I come in, I'm going to do what I can to yeah level the playing field at yeah. all. I don't have to lead, but uh, I don't want somebody else leading. I don't have to control, but I don't want to be controlled. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's a big thing for sevens, man. All right. We're going to, we're going to, I think we've nailed this, but let me just sort of, I want the folks who are listening to see how we're arriving at this destination. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sevens uh, don't want bosses because one of the things they hate the most, like eights, for example, is they don't like anybody limiting their options. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you're going to have a boss, I tell bosses of sevens all the time, you have to give them a multifaceted job description and a long leash. Mm-hmm. If you try to leash them in and make them do stuff over, you know, routine and, you know, of details, it's like, you're going to kill them. They're going to be gone in no time. But the, the other reason that sevens typically don't like to be um, the manager is managers have to deliver bad news, which brings up painful feelings, which sevens don't want to feel. Or no. And or you have to create these boundaries for other people, which you hate for yourself. So it just doesn't make any yes. sense. It's like, why would exactly, you want to do that? Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't like to manage. I don't want to be managed. I, I don't want to do either. But yeah, you're right, uh, Ian. Totally. The, I mean, conflict avoidance is mm-hmm. dramatic. Yeah. So let me just wrap this up to help people see something that's really important about subtypes. When you came in with three, five, and seven three very different numbers, you were uncertain as to which you were. When that happens, oftentimes it's because you are a subtype of a type that um, you're unfamiliar with. And so you have to kind of go down to the next layer. There is a subtype of sevens called the self-preservation seven. And um, you, I think, are a self-pres seven because they're often confused with threes, notoriously confused with threes. Huh. Here's why. They tend to be concerned with getting their material needs met, right? Now, that could be the basics of just human life, food, clothing, shelter, more than the other two subtypes, right? However, they love and they prioritize networking. They love meeting people. They love connecting people, right? They And they're really socially confident. They're great at networking. What are you going to say? Yes, and. Yes, yes, and. I, I am. But I mean, I'm I'm an introvert and I'm not one to just, I'm confident going into social things, but I'm not going to seek them out. I'll stay by myself a lot, but I'm in contact, you know, with people. I mean, I'm consistently do that. There's always someone I never just have, uh, you know, been completely on my own, but I'll go seek solitude. And again, I've, I've felt in, in this that, gosh, I really relate strongly here, but then I'll have an what seems like an idiosyncrasy, which I guess, you know, you're going to say nobody's a complete thoroughbred and there's so many integers. And I keep looking into, okay, what is my authentic self? What have I patched on because of X, Y, Z? So the other thing about self-press sevens, and I'll wrap up with them, is that they're really great at spotting opportunities and then swiftly taking action to take advantage of them. So, you know, you'll see an empty lane on the highway and go, oh, there's an opportunity. And like a three, the self-press seven will go and take advantage of it really fast. And more than the other two sevens, they're practical and they're really good at making things happen. Mm. So that's why I think, oh, lastly, you mentioned five and sevens when doing really well and they're healthy, look like healthy fives. (laughs) So that's called their security point. When you're not doing great, you look like an unhealthy one. Okay. So anyway, 
boom, brother. I if you're not a seven, I'll you know eat my hat before this is over. It it primarily I'm going to say it like ninety to ninety five percent. I read along that, and that is me. Even the aspect of seeking out just you know pleasure. I'm always looking for the next dopamine hit. If even if I'm even if I am in my own goals for you know health and wellness and whatnot, I may delay something. But ultimately, I'm looking for the next meal, the next movie, the next adventure. And I'm aware more so after studying your stuff of how that, that is my propensity to look for the next Mm -hmm. celebration, the next good time. What can we put together and have a fun, pleasurable dopamine hit? Sure. So what have you learned, if anything, at this point from the Enneagram about yourself that has changed the way you view yourself and almost like, okay, all right, now I see the blind spot. Here's how I have to adapt and maybe make a few changes in my life. Or here's something about myself that I need to actually leverage more as a seven. Yeah. On both aspects. I think initially, as I look at that, I'm finding more grace. And to say, gosh, that is my propensity, not to just do an I am what I am and use it as a cop out anywhere, but to go, gosh, I am wired that way. Of course, I'm looking for the next that, the next celebration, the next whatever. Why am I always yeah, planning that ahead? That's the thing that'll interrupt me. I'll be sitting here working on something that I am really stoked about. It's really inspiring. And yet that thought goes off for tonight and dinner or this this weekend's adventure or whatever it's going to be. And I'm off there. And to give myself a little grace, but then also to say, okay, yeah, but how can I better manage that? How can I better manage my idiosyncrasies, if you will? Because I do want an end result at the end of the day. And even that aspect that we talked about earlier of a big one has come to me that I, you're right. I look, I, opportunities are everywhere. I love to just make a spontaneous decision, jump on them, get some traction, but I don't finish. I don't tend to finish and I really struggle there. I get frustrated. And so again, back to giving me myself some grace on that, but then also saying, okay, but how do I deal with that? How do I manage that issue? And for me right now, it is, I'm in a significant period of uh, partnering with people. I mean, I've got, you know, I, I, my books, you know, right, right over my shoulder there. And I went the traditional publishing route. One of the reasons was just to get the help of it. I don't know if it was the best I could have done self-publishing and there's great opportunity there, but I wanted the help. So I went with a big publisher. My podcast is now with a new network and I have in that, I give up some things. I don't like control. So I got to play with that, but I want the help so that we execute. Mm. And that's where I thought we're doing this. So social media, there's somebody to execute uh, all the different things. And at this point I'm finding people and saying, I need you to manage me. I need to be responsive to you. Otherwise, I am off on something else. That is the gift and the fruit of uh, self-awareness, right? That if you, and it's just, you know, when you know the Enneagram, it just saves you time having to figure all that out. Mm -hmm. You know, it could take a person years to figure out, oh, you know, I'm not very good at this. When I can just say, well, just go take the Enneagram. I can tell you in 24 hours. You know, about a lot of stuff in a very, you know, kind of efficient package, you know, and uh, is it perfect? No, but it'll give you a lot of self insight to help you along the way. It's tremendous. And reading the stories on how you depict, hey, if you're a three, if you're a seven, this is how you tend to be. This is your propensity, predisposition. I love those words. That's your bent in essence. And here's how you're going to be in a healthy place, but in 
you know, an average pace place or in a little stress, you're going to be here. And in a poor place, an unhealthy, you're going to be here. That has been really helpful to look at that and go, gosh, yeah. Okay. Now how can I better moderate that? Mm -hmm. Beautiful. All right. So uh, again, we want to talk about your new book, what drives you and um, all the wonderful things that uh, it, you know, has to offer to the world. We want to learn how to discover our unique motivators and accelerate growth in our work and life. You're going to help me do that today, Kevin, uh, because I could, as a four on the Enneagram, I could use a little help in that regard. So by the way, a very three title could be a seven title, kind of leans three, right? It, very motivational and uh, very much about drive, right? And we tend to associate drivenness with threes, but it's not exclusive to them. I'd say that three sevens and eights can all have a great deal of drive. I love being driven. I mean, I, I've continued to see the value and the, man, the uniqueness of that. I mean, we're in a culture right now that, as you know, is, you know, we got diseases of despair is the fastest growing pathology we have in the chronic illness area and it's apathy mm. and depression. And man, that grieves me and burdens me. And I'm so aware of the reality that I've never woken up on a morning where I'd rather just sleep. I'd rather not sleep and get up and do something. So I love drive. However, so that's one part of it. However, the other part of my story and part of the book is that drive alone is not the key to success, as you know. So I love going, see that opportunity, go start something and I'm driven. I don't know where the heck I'm going though, because I haven't established that. And that was a big epiphany that brought me to the book of saying, you know, one the big myth is that we think some people are driven, some people aren't. I find that's not true. Anybody is the king of driven in a minute if they hit the right trigger, if they find the right reason. Mm-hmm. And then the other myth though, is that drive is the big kahuna, which, you know, gosh, we're leading with that. It's a great hook. Everybody wants to be driven. So we're using that for sure. But at the end of the day, it's the same. I mean, what do you value? What do you value? What do you really want and why? Why do you want it? And are you in agreement with that? That's what good drive is. And I have, you know, the good side of being driven and Thank goodness some of my values, knowing those kept me from going way off tangent, but not being super clear also had me run and run into burnout. Uh, and that's a reality too. So again, coming back to the Enneagram, man, if I had had that understanding earlier and known my propensity to just look at opportunities and run, I would have been more self-aware to step back and go, okay, wait might be a great opportunity. might be fun. might be inspiring. Is that really, really where I want to go? Where is that going to go? What's that going to entail? I did not do that. I did not count the cost. That's not my nature to count the cost. And so that's part of the book is to help us all look at that and go, what do we really want? Why do we want that? Are we in agreement with that? And yes, to some degree, yeah, counting that cost. And man, I find that when people do that, get clear, especially on what they value at the core, which takes a lot of work, as you know, to really get clear on that. When they do though, they have drive that they've desired. And I, it's, you know, it's an ongoing process. I'm not, uh, I'm not the king of drive yet. Well, you know, I love that when we talk about driven again, we can talk about types for a second. Like Enneagram 3s, we associate drivenness with sometimes just pure workaholism, but sometimes that can sort of trend towards stereotypes, but they're driven to success and they're driven toward accumulating things that signal success to the world around them. Sevens are driven toward wanting stimulating experiences and pleasure. So you both can act in driven fashions. 
right? You can both be like, this is when you're not healthy, right? You can be just driven toward stuff that isn't particularly awesome, but it also delineates like the difference between the two. Threes aren't thinking I'm driven toward just fun and stimulating experiences. No, they're all, they're much more pragmatic and practical and earthy, you know, than that. And in fact, a seven, they would think was kind of frivolous in their pursuits, their driven pursuits. So um, I think that's really, you know, helpful. Let's talk about values for a second. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit of a squishy word. Uh, people, I think, would say they know what it means until you ask them. And then I think they'd kind of be a little bit like, ah, well, you know, it's kind of like, so define what you mean by value. No, it's a relevant uh, word. And it's not one that's that compelling. Uh, otherwise, I would have led mm. the book with some altruistic title about values and what you really want. And we chose driven one, it's legit, but it also is a little more tangible and compelling. Because yeah, when you get into values, man, that goes, that can go a lot of different ways. And I think we we bump up against that. The book really takes you through the key areas of life. Uh, we went through them with you, Ian. So we did part two of the show I did with you was, was the yeah. values and habits. Yeah. And I took you through. So, okay, let's start with spiritual. What do you value? And you sat there and thought about it and answered, what do you value? And then how do you walk that out? But it's looking at that. What do I really want? So let's take health and wellness. What do you really want? I want to, you know, I want a six pack and I want, you know, I want to be able to climb Mount Everest. Really? Okay. Why? Why do you want that? What's at the end of that? And going down that, you can ask why, you know, that infinity get down to the bottom of go, man, I want to impress my dad, or I want to show somebody this, or I want to do, and to get to that root and go, is that something I want? Or is it something I want for somebody else? A cultural expectation, uh, an expectation to someone else, or even just one that I've adopted somewhere along the line thinking, gosh, if I'm going to be this kind of person, I guess this is what I have to do that. Sometimes it's all, it's inherently just from our own makeup and to get down to that core thing and then go, huh. I didn't realize that was at the root, that why was at the root of that. And am I in agreement with that? And to look at that and go, no, that's beautiful. Talk about freeing. And to say, I don't really, I don't really value that. I picked up somebody else's value or the culture again, or something like that. But then to also come to it on the other side and go, no, I really want that. I want that for me. I want that for me. We can't disassociate ourselves from the culture or other people ever, but to some degree to come down to that, I do those exercises a lot in the book to say, look, if it wasn't anybody else, it's just for you. What do you really want that, that you can take ownership? And that really comes to the, to the core of it, that you can take, I want this and I take ownership for me. Yes, I know it'll help me over here. Somebody here may like it or whatever, but I'm going to do it for me. But for a lot of people, when they get really clear on that value, they may have to do it in, re in relation to, gosh, this is what I really want. And that's going to be upsetting to X, my spouse, my parents, my friends, my peer group, whatever, that may not align. And I'm trying to bring them to that point and then have compassion and go, yeah, what you really want may not line up with the lifestyle that you have thus created. And that's hard. And I think we can all relate to that to some degree. So I love this because I think this is one of the best tools I've ever heard for helping people unearth their values. Mm -hmm. And I am being legitimately honest about that because I have, you know, seen in like, you know, I've, you know, I have individual coaching clients. I have very few of them. I only take on, you know, basically three at a time. Right. Uh, and I'm pretty particular about who they are. If one of the ways you can get at values as well is to talk to people about peak experiences. Okay. So in other words, just to ask somebody, tell me about three or four peak experiences in your life and what they meant to you. 
And then I go down the rabbit hole of what you're talking about, right? Like, why did you want to do that? What was it about that peak experience that blew your mind? What was it that you, so forth and so on. Mm -hmm. So I love coming in at it from the, that, that, that question, because it's fascinating with the values that come up out of what they, what it was about that peak experience that was so life-giving to them. I, I like that angle because as I'm thinking about it now, I am definitely experiencing peak experiences in my life today that I am maybe as a practice, and I hadn't thought about it till now, Ian, as a practice, I'm not even sharing with other people. I'm not gonna mm. I'm not gonna text it to my family or my friends. I'm gonna take a picture maybe for myself just to remember it. But can I just sit in it just for me? And mm. I'm having some wow. of the most euphoric, maybe I, I focus on flow a lot. Times when I'm, man, I'm just I'm in I'm in flow. I'm I'm at this, you know, place. I'm on a mountain bike ride. It's just me. Nobody else is out here. I'm doing this for me and I'm in flow. And this is glorious. And it's just for me. That's a peak experience. It doesn't have to do with anyone else. And I ultimately find more joy in that than being on stage, which is, you know, obviously here we are on a stage of sorts, and I do that. But really trying to look internally, go, what am I doing? Like the person I'm gonna have on the show, like you. Am I having you on just because you're a big name and it's gonna, you know, be good for the show? No, I want you on for me. I want to know this information and helping me take again that aspect wow. of ownership and responsibility is uh a key part of values for me for sure. Wow, man, that is uh I'm so pleased because because you know what, honestly, I'm gonna be honest with you, Kevin. Sometimes, you know, you come across a book in this particular self-help space and you just don't know what you're going to get, man. Like, like, and that's true of all books, you know, but you know, it sometimes that's 19 out of 20 books that I get, honestly. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I'm glad you're in agreement because I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be off-putting, but here's the great compliment, right? Like your book, you know, it really delivers the goods. I mean, if for no other reason, giving people a tool and a framework for exhuming, unearthing their values and giving them agency mm. to decide whether or not they're in alignment with who they genuinely are yes. or not, and also to identify, oh my gosh, I am in a relationship or in a job or in a culture or whatever that actually has convinced me that that value is lesser than maybe perhaps something to be ashamed of, something that, you know, guys don't do or women don't do, you know, quote unquote. And then having people, you know, reckon, I hate to use that word here, but to reckon with the reality that there is a hidden value you know, up under the waterline of their life. And I believe, by the way, Kevin, that if you don't address that hidden value, that hidden drive or motivation too, that's under there, it, your soul will summon it and it will be painful for you at some point down the road. Mm. What do you think of that? I think you just gave, I'm going to take this clip and use it as an ad for my book. <laughs> <laughs> you literally said in being in alignment with who you really are. So I literally use that word in the book because it obviously goes along with drive. If you're out of alignment, if you, I've got your know, cars, if they're out of alignment, man, it's just like driving snot or, or it's going to wear your tires out and whatnot. And right. yet, you know, they come back to your book. I mean, that's the point is understanding. So I, can be in better alignment with who I am, be more authentic 
to myself. Authenticity is such a big buzzword today. And yet I don't think we really even understand what that looks like. We think it's, you know, basically, I just, can I be, I am what I am again, which that's not the point of being authentic. It's understanding yourself. So you're right. I mean, this is, I mean, the book Ian came from, I had been at the table uh, a couple of times with agents and publishers about a book and I just didn't have the drive to sit down and commit to it. This one I did because it came from what I realized I wanted most Mm -hmm. for my adult kids. And uh, so I went after it. And as I started studying it, realizing my own needs for this understanding of what does really drive us. And yeah, getting again to those values. I think we are in a culture where we know of our values, maybe I want to say less than ever. Mm. Well, let's, uh, let's unpack that for a minute. Just help me understand what it is that you're saying there. Uh, it's a good discussion point. Um, I mean, going back to those diseases of despair, apathy and depression. And as I see that, I see people who are so inundated, I think, with the culture. And we're at a point now where we can be. I mean, I had somebody recently on the show and they were talking about, it's like 1903 when we came out with the uh, – uh, the telegraph and the phonograph, and they were warning us of, okay, now that we do this, we're getting, we got enough going on in our little community. Now we're getting inundated with what's happening across town or in another state. Well, if that was 1905 or three or something like that, take that now to 2023, man. And we are so full of what's happening everywhere. And I think less aware of ourselves being again, self-aware. We don't need to be self-aware. We have a device here that we can pick up and just be entertained by that, be inspired, get a little dopamine hit. And we are taking less time to just sit with ourselves and be aware or just take a book like yours and study it and to really get to know ourselves. We don't take the time for that. I feel like it's fewer and fewer people that actually are self-aware are pursuing that. And if you don't do that, how would you know your values. And then the easy thing is just to adopt the world's values. And it is, I feel like we're really waylaid right now too, because you're supposed to know about everything. Look on CNN or Fox. You're supposed to be aware of everything going on everywhere. And you're supposed to have an opinion and you're supposed to staunchly embrace that opinion. That's impossible. That's impossible. And then to, and to look at that and to be, I feel like pressured to have that opinion, we're just going to grasp onto a value or somebody else's. And and I'm, you know, we're going to listen to Joe Rogan or somebody else out there and adopt their value. What do we really value? I think we are le- we are further and further removed from that. We need to read books like yours, understand our propensities, sit with ourselves, look in the mirror, and really get clear on what do we really want. What's going to fulfill us at the end of that road? Which again. I've spent time as chief of center of not looking down that road to go, where the heck am I going with this? Where's it going to lead to? Does that lead up to what's going to fulfill me, what I truly value? So, yeah, I think uh, you you just actually bring up something important is that I think sometimes people go and they listen to a Rogan or they listen to you know, Rachel Maddow or Tucker Carlson. Let's get it across the board here. And so, you know, what happens is, it's people adopt opinions of others because they're lazy. Mm. It's laziness, mm-hmm. honestly. <laughs> and agreed to, to go into something, really understand mm. it and decide this is what I'm going to adopt as a belief. Man, that takes a long time. Let me just listen to somebody that I think that I trust. That sounds legit. And I'm not only going to agree with it. I'm going to take it hook, line and sinker and stand on it to my death is what we f- seems to be like in this polarized media culture. Well, I mean, uh, there's another word that people could look up if they want to, and I'm kind of barrowing down into like stuff that maybe 
that there's a in the ancient world that in, in addition to the word apatheia, they would use the word acedia, which was a kind of spiritual depression. And what it meant was um, sort of a state of listlessness and a quieting of passions. So a, almost like a tamping of passion, pushing it down, you know, and I, I like you, I, I see that in, in lots of places or people being driven toward kooky stuff. Now, can we just talk about mindset for a second? Please, because please. everybody talks about mindset these days. It's another buzzy word that people are throwing around. I see more mindset coaches out there, you know, doing their thing. What do you is mindset? What's its role in, in, in the pursuit of your dream, your passion, your success in a particular direction? I really like the concept and I've found myself continuing to come back to it. And I'm sure it's something I gleaned from a brilliant guest like yourself that was on the show, but looking at my life, looking at these areas of importance and saying, I am the kind of person who does X as a mindset. I am the kind of person, I'm the kind of person who's going to pursue health and wellness at the end of the day. I may, you know, make a couple, you know, alterations here and there, but for the most part, this, I'm the kind of person who does it spiritually. I'm the kind of person who does this morally, ethically. I'm mm-hmm. the guy, I, knowing who I am and what I'm about. I am the kind of person who I feel like it helps put ourselves in that space of understanding the label. And it's not just an ideal it's not just a belief we grab somewhere, but saying, I'm the kind of person who's going to live this way, who's going to think this way. Uh, we did a series recently on stoicism, and I think that's a lot of it. A lot of that aspect is I'm the kind of person who's going to do this. I think there's a lot of religion that, that really errs on that side of I'm the kind of person who does X. And I think for ourselves, we've gotten, again, just in that wishy-washy, go with the flow of the media and whatever we happen to turn on and it sparks us this way or that, as opposed to stepping back and going, wait a minute. And oh my gosh, I think people would find peace in that. The anxiety that we have that I think would be lessened if we step back and go, my mindset is around this. I am the kind of person who does X, which again, back to the Enneagram, if I understand that, okay, here's my predisposition, here's my flow in essence. So if this, if I'm a seven, I'm going to find my best flow here. How can I work within that? And so if somebody says, hey, you want to commit to this project where you're going to you know, make a million bucks, but you're going to sit in a cubicle for 12 hours straight every day and you cannot deviate from it, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not the kind of person who does that. I'm the kind of person who's going to do X over here in a valuable way. We had James Clear on the show and he uh, said something kind of similar. So he said, if you're somebody that, you know, wants to uh, be a healthy person, right? He said, the key is, is that when you go into the kitchen and you go to make something and you want to lose, you've, you've now decided, I want to lose 30 pounds. I want to bring down my cholesterol and my sugar levels and blah, blah, blah. He said, when you go in there, ask yourself the question, what would a healthy person eat right now? Like, tell yourself, I'm a healthy person. What does a healthy person eat right now? And so you, you're not going to grab the Doritos mm-hmm. and the queso, right? You're going to say, okay, I'm going to eat this because I am a healthy person. Is that describing mindset? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Of course I got for me as a seven, as you can imagine, I got to go, I got to go prior to that while in the grocery store and go, and as a healthy person, I'm the kind of person who's not going to buy that because if I do and bring it home, it's going down. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I've got to, mm-hmm. I've got to pre preemptively strike on that one. Absolutely. I got to put that mantle on 
when I am uh, at the grocery store and understanding I'm the kind of person it's so, it really is liberating. I mean, it inspires me. I want people around me who know their values and know what they're mm-hmm. about, man, that inspires me. And we're, and I see people suffering from it. Um, I want to help as do you. I just want to chime in there. I had a mentor 20 years ago, just talked to me about the importance of values and what I've found in my work and work relationships and personal relationships. It really is like, if you don't, if your values aren't aligned and you try to do some kind of work or project together, you're destined to, to have some real trouble at some point. I think Mm -hmm. it's one of the crucial things for success in business and personal relationship is knowing your personal values and whoever you're running with for them to know theirs. Love that. I agree. And I think that's what inspires us. I mean, look at the superhero movies and the epic films Mm -hmm. that we flock to. It's because we love to see somebody who has a conviction, man, and they are not going to veer from that. I love the Bourne uh, series Mm -hmm. movies. I mean, the guy is, you know, at the beginning, he didn't even know who he is, Mm -hmm. but he still has this innate value in him that drives him along and he is going to go forward no matter what. And we love to watch that. We pay Mm -hmm. billions of dollars to watch that. And yet we don't turn the mirror around, look at ourselves and go, gosh, how does that, how am I that person? Yeah. I love that. Everybody, we're listening to my new friend, Kevin Miller. He is, now we know, an Enneagram Self-Preservation 7. Oh, man, what a relief. We got that out of the way. No problem. Thank you for that. Yeah. He's also the host of the incredibly successful podcast, Self-Helpful, and author of the new book, What Drives You. I get the subtitle here, How to Discover Your Unique Motivators and Accelerate Growth in Work and Life. Hey, Kevin, this has been an amazing conversation. And again, I just want to tell people, I got to be honest, guys, I see books in this space all the time. I get publicists sending me books like this all the time and authors who write these books all the time. And as Kevin said, I promise you, 19 out of 20 of them uh, were probably a magazine article, not a full-length book. Secondly, they really over-promise and under-deliver on their title. And the great thing about this book, and actually a lot like Atomic Habits, by the way, Kevin, because I remember uh, reading that book and thinking, ah, Atomic Habits, sounds like a cool title, blah, blah, blah. And then you get in it and you realize, oh, dang, this guy's got a point. And when I read your book, I'm like, dang, this guy's got a point. And I love, again, if for no other reason, folks, you want to determine what your values are so that you can live in alignment with Mm -hmm. them. Because when you live in alignment with them, you're going to experience integrity Mm -hmm. from the word integritas, meaning wholeness. Right, you're going to begin to uh, experience that, and it's going to bring uh, to you just a wonderful, life-giving, generative existence in the world. Kevin, how do people learn more about you? You know, the best place is to tune into the podcast, just like they're listening to now. It's called Self Helpful, and I have brilliant people on like you, and we talk about these topics. I do a four-part series on everyone. And uh, man, it's, I can't believe that I actually have a vocation doing that, but that's where I connect with people. And uh, obviously the book, What Drives You, you can find anywhere uh, right now. And we hit on that aspect a lot in the show, but the show is where I sit down every week. We do four episodes a week and connect with people on these topics that um, help us understand our values and our predispositions and propensities, like what you teach in the Enneagram. That's where I love to connect with folks. 
Man, thank you so much, Kevin. Let's do this again. I'd love to come back on your show. We had a great conversation. We'll give it a little time so your audience can forget who I was and we can come on fresh as though I were uh, the second coming of Jesus. Now, Anthony, are you good? Can I say good? We got to sign off here. I just want to find out. Are you good? What did you learn today that you're like, dang, I'm going to go out and take that with me? Uh, well, it's just, I mean, I would say it, as I told you, you know, in, in my early years with this guy mentoring me, he just taught me the importance of values. And I think it renewed kind of my, I just, my focus on that. I'm in a couple of startups right now and it's like, it makes me want to bring that to the table with my team. So Mm -hmm. excited. So here's what I learned. Are you ready? Yeah. I learned that I'm going to use this book with my coaching clients. Ooh, wow. That's what I learned. I was really inspired today because you know what, man? Actually finding out people's, if you say to somebody, tell me your values, they'll kind of scratch their head and swim around. You really have to go in sideways, which is what I love about what Kevin is describing as his process in his Mm. book. So I'm going to, man, I'm going to, this is going to be part of my coaches kind of curriculum going forward. I'm honored. Wouldn't it be fun to come into a group, like whether it's a mastermind group or a a networking group, whatever, and just have it, uh, you know, the ball on their ball cap or their shirt. This is what drives me. I love that. That's what I'm trying to get to the root of with everybody. I love to talk. That's what I want to talk about. And if you don't have anything, I don't know how to connect with you. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Hey, I I would be honored. Let's get you back on the show and talk more. All right, everybody listen, typology tribe, you know how I end it. It's a sincere uh, hope for your life. May you have love. May you have joy. May you have peace. May you have healing. And may you have rest. Until next time.